welcome back to Teaching with the Body and Mind. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Tom. Hi, Mike. And Ross. Hi, Mike. And Joey. Hey. And I wanted to talk about uh, something that has kind of come up the last few weeks, and I keep thinking, oh, we should talk about that. And it's sort of, we mostly talk about the boisterous kids, the kids who need to move around, the kids who are loud, mm -hmm. the kids who have lots of conflict. And I wanted to talk about the quiet kids and the mm -hmm. kids who don't want to move around. And... I think it was last week I talked a little bit about when we were talking about all the happy kids and how like some kids, the happiness is like finding that tight little corner, maybe something cozy like a pillow or something like yep. being really quiet or the kid, you know, everyone else is running around screaming their heads off in joy, you know, shrieking in joy. Not, mm -hmm. And the other kids like needs to be away from all. And how do we react to that? I guess is my question because we all are very comfortable with the kids who move around. I'd like to think I'm also comfortable with the quiet kid. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just curious how react. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad it's something you want to talk about because I think that it is important to recognize that every person. I mean, maybe it's not 100 percent of your whole life, but I think that kids have their own set point, kind of just like <laughs> adults do. And so, yep. right? Some people's or what is what's the phrase you talk about? Like pe some kids' engines run really fast, and some kids' engines run really slow. I mean, whatever kind of thing you want to think about. But I mean, I, I do think right, that. Yeah. But but when we talk about big body play, I think it can accidentally be interpreted that like. Everyone should be engaging right, in right. rough and tumble and chase, etc. When it's not everyone's cup of tea, yeah, doesn't right. mean they don't use their bodies in different ways. Right. But the the really um, boisterous stuff is not for everyone. Yeah. So I think mm -hmm. it's. I'm glad you're bringing it up because I think it. I don't think we should push kids to be involved in things that mm -hmm. they don't really like. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's that point, and I think it's another thing to consider or think about that it's. It's often those children who are quiet or not disruptive or not. The, they sometimes are the overlooked. Like uh -huh. they're fine. Yeah. They're they're gonna do their thing. They don't need me right now. The group in the back who's trying to play tag through the loft. Uh -huh. They need me. I need to be there all the time. Oh no, you over there at the art table who always loves to just draw, and make your right. own books. You're fine. Right. And you know who doesn't want you there? The group who's playing tag. Right. They actually don't want you to come right, over right, right. and talk to them anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean. <laughs> There's that piece that they, they they are they're fine there, and it might be the child who is content making that book. But if if you kind of sit there with it, maybe that they're always watching the game in the back, and they're not sure right. how to to engage in it, or they're you know. I definitely had one of those kids. She you know, never really joined in, but eventually she would always tell me to go play chase with right. the oh. other kids. Right. Like it's like she wanted to watch it. Yeah. And then every time I'd come, like we'd be going by her, she's like, I'm not playing. It's I know. Right. right. Well, and I think there is I, I it's hard to it's hard to broadly generalize, but I think that some of the types of kids you're you're talking about like their physical uh, engagement might be more along the lines of the sitting on a lap and the snuggling mm -hmm. or those I mean right, that there's, right. there's different ways um, physical, yeah. there's different ways to get true. Uh, your not to mention the kid physical. who's drawing. Yeah. I mean, that's oh, of physical as or, well, right? Uh, sensory table. A lot of kids who mm -hmm. maybe aren't running a sprint around your room are very engaged, moving sand and water and experimenting you might have in, right, a, in right. a sensory table yeah. as well. Because that's so, it's, and that's so calming. It's actually hard to mm -hmm. be overly boisterous when you're right, working right, with yeah. materials that are so soothing. I, I think one of the problems comes when we, uh, when we try and get kids to push, push them uh -huh. too much yes. to try and be part of the, yes. the right. more active group. Yeah. We're thinking maybe there's something wrong with them and, mm -hmm. Whereas it might be they just want to observe, mm -hmm. right? And yeah, watching is a way and they, to be and active, they're, and they're processing it the way they they know how. Yep. But as adults, sometimes we push kids a little mm -hmm. too hard to join in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
Very much so. I mean, just thinking that makes me think back to my own days in daycare and elementary school where a gym would always be probably one of my gym and recess were my top, you know, things to do. And I loved it. But, you know, thinking back there, I mean, there's probably, if I, I can give you a few names of children who were begrudgingly or oh, yeah. very against oh, their will, like, I think you have to participate. We're sitting right here with you, Ross. <laughs> right, right. And again, it's not that the, now, now as an adult, it's not, the offer's always out there. You're welcome to play whenever you're ready, but you don't have to. You can, right. you know, if you're over there, you can still watch if you want. You can do your other. Well, it's activity, not. A, it's not a lack in the exactly. child. I mean, that doesn't mean that there couldn't be some anxiety or. Some, I mean, you, again, you need to get right. to know your children. Yeah. I don't. It doesn't. This doesn't necessarily mean that there's something deficient or lacking right, right. in that child. I think I'm going to go on a limb here with with having done no googling before this, but I think we have an extrovert bias, right? Mm-hmm. In our. Yeah. I mean, so right. so if you. We like extroverts, and I think we kind of want kids to be extroverts. And if they're not, mm-hmm. we worry that there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Because, right. how you know, oh, they're not talking. How else am I supposed to know if they're okay? Or they're not joining in. So how am I supposed to know that they're right. okay? Because if they were joining in, I would just know. Right. Whereas if they're watching, you don't know what they're what they're thinking. So I think there is a, that's mm-hmm. where the pushing, I think, comes from, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's well-intentioned pushing. Um, but it, I agree that it that it, that's not very respectful, right? And it, and I think you're right about that bias um, for extroverts too, right? That being content and not joining in should be like, oh, that's great. They found the thing that makes them happy, and instead we have this, oh, they're not joining in. What's wrong? And so my own child, right. is, you know, definitely is. Um, fits into this right. camp, right? And mm-hmm. and there was worry, you know, because yeah. on the playground they would go sit down in the middle of the playground and not enjoying any of the games. Right. It's like right because they were sitting on the grass enjoying the grass. The grass, right? Right. right. Um, but they talk about it all the time. Of you know, so now they're what fourteen, being in class or or being at some sort of like it's the party at the end of the year. Like, come on, why aren't you coming over and talking right. to everyone? And it's like, well, because I don't like go talk to everyone. Like, right. mm-hmm. if there's one person who gets me, walks over and talks to me, I'll probably talk to them. Right. But going over and joining the whole group is not the way that they'll. Well, not every child who quieter or more physically reserved is like socially isolated too i mean you know like right oh Ross, yeah. you described the child who's drawing well they're probably going to get up when they're done with that drawing and go play with someone right so choosing to be alone sometimes uh right. doesn't yeah you know, i mean if you have a child who's only ever alone i would say that you want to be paying some attention yeah. to the, you know, to that but i don't think that that's even what we're talking about we're talking right. about the kids who just don't go charging into the chase game yeah, every yeah. time because they're doing right. something else yeah i wonder if we do some projection yeah. ourselves yeah. as oh, well, yeah. because of course. if you think about, you know, going to a function where people are dancing and whether, am I going to dance? Right, um, right, yeah. I mean, right. I don't know. Right. So don't like push kids to dance. Don't right. push, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. we project like, well, maybe they have these inhibitions that we have to help them get over. Right, and, right, yeah. Because you know, right, right. I never <laughs> did. Because I never did. <laughs> uh, it's like, ah, yeah. geez, I wish I would do it, but. Yeah. Well, and I, so I, I don't want to totally turn the conversation, but I'm wondering... Thinking back to Jill Connell and Cheryl McCarthy's book, When Child is a Learning Child, that they talk about the containerized child. Right, right. And how that's becoming more of this epidemic where in very early years as infants, children are always kind of staying in their car seat containers. They're not moving around. So I'm wondering if that, how does that kind of register with everybody? Does that play into those children who are more reserved? Or maybe that's why they sit out because they don't have that. They, they feel a lack of They don't have enough confidence because of the coordination. Maybe. Well, I mean, so I guess one thing I'd say, because I, I think you're right. I wasn't thinking about that. But I'd want kids, like, I'd want to take my class on a walk. Right. 
right? I want to make sure all the kids are, you know, we're not going to just say, well, I don't, you know, the kid who doesn't want to go out. It's like, well, we're going to go outside, right? And the kid who, then there's always the kid who's afraid of bees, like anything that moves must be a bee. Yep. And so you want to like figure out ways to get them to do something. So I take I, kids on a lot of walks yeah. and there are kids who tend to run in front mm-hmm. and there are kids who tend to walk in the back because they're looking at every leaf and they yep. like to hold someone's hand. I'm talking about physical contact. You know, we're going to hold yeah, hands yeah. and we're going to, and mm-hmm. I would say after X number of years, there's always the ones who want to run in the front and right. there's the ones who are going to be in the back and you're going to be kind of waiting for them. And I don't, I don't think that's be. I don't, I don't know, but I don't think it's because someone carried them in a car seat. I think that there's just, right. again, there's just a pace. Yeah. I mean, right. some kids I finish snack right. 20 minutes later than everyone else, right. you know, yeah. because that's just how long yeah. it takes them to, to do things. I mean, there's mm-hmm. like a pace that I yeah. think some people have. I don't mean that those kids never run or right. never, but my interpretation of what you brought up, Mike, right. is like boisterousness. Not everybody's, yeah, not everybody's noticed because they're boisterous or not it right. was known for being boisterous and, yeah, yeah. and and then what you said Ross that we sometimes then just don't pay attention right, right. to right. those kids and yeah because they're often not children who are going to be needing any help or they don't need extra direction or you know they're right. just doing the, and then when you when that's the case you know what what is then lacking from them not not their personally but from the teacher standpoint like what am i not giving them how am i not right. meeting their needs right. i'm assuming you're not they're fine to know them as well exactly right. so right. i think there's that and that's the thing yeah as a teacher you make sure that you interact with each kid but also figuring out how they want to be interacted yeah. with doesn't yeah. sound right yeah, no, yeah. yeah. was it last week you were talking about like the kid who um you would go down at their level and for, you'd meet their forehead and like mm-hmm. whisper to them. And then, you know, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about, cause that's one of the things that made that idea of like, yeah, we're not shouting to each kid or right. Right. several weeks ago of the idea of making kids hug. Like, no, right. you don't make kids hug, right. but the kids who want to hug, you should make sure that they right. know yeah. it's okay to hug. So I had a child once who would come into the room and he'd only do the Lego train. Nobody else would be around. And his mother came to me and said, you know, what are we going to do? All he does is play with this Lego train. And I said, well, let's let's just see what happened. Well, over the course of three or four months, other kids came and played with the Lego train with him. Mm-hmm. And from there, he branched out. Right. So in some ways, you, you want to figure out how to create invitations for children yeah. who, who don't seem to be connecting with other kids or mm-hmm. are just too quiet. I mean, that's one, that's mm-hmm. one of the arts of being a teacher, no? Oh, right. yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, that's what sort of... It, I think it's why this topic's a tiny bit challenging because you can think about so many different ways that children are. Right, right. You know, and yeah, so then it would never, it's hard to know depending on which which quiet kid we're right, talking right, about. Yeah. But Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking of one of my earlier years with a child who didn't speak in the class for several months just at as a comfort thing with, you know, getting to know Going, I remember going to the home visit. He was very excited to show me around, and we played games that he loved and these puzzles. And he got to school, and he was extremely quiet and observing and watching. And knowing his his parents, we had talked, and like, oh no, we get the report every day. It's a two hour production yeah, yeah. of what you've done in detail. So I I knew that, but my student teachers like, um, right? Does he have any friends? Is he? Are you worried? Right. I said no. You know, I've been talking with the family. We know this. And then it wasn't until the introduction of humor where we had this rotting pumpkin in an aquarium. We were watching it break down. And he was just watching me draw. And I said, hey, do you want to take this purple crayon so you can draw 
the pumpkin too? And he goes, that's not what pumpkin, that pumpkin's on. And then from then on, like, right. it, we, but it had, we pushed him like, you got to come be in this game. You got to say your name at the large group song. You've right. got to raise your, you know, do whatever. Then I think that shuts it down. That, oh yeah. Right. And then that, that moment at the aquarium where we were looking at the pumpkin together wouldn't have happened because there's not that trust right. built. There's not right. the sense of, yeah, you see me, you recognize me. Right. You can see what I I need. don't remember if I've shared this in a podcast before but i was a selective mute in kindergarten mm-hmm. for like halfway and and it's true that i can still remember when the more a teacher would try to get me to right the less likely i was i'd feel this like you know stress right. like oh no now everyone's looking at me expecting me to talk and it, when it was just sort of a conversation i just sort of talked without right. realizing it and then it's like oh i guess i can do that right well right. and it's funny and nobody looked at me when i did it you know it's just right. like oh yeah yeah that you know, it, again, out of good intentions, we want to help kids participate. But when I mean, you just said it so so perfectly from your own experience, but it's sort of like, well, if they're already, if possibly someone's already worried about something, like maybe they're fine, but maybe they're they want to play, but they're worried about it, and then you go add to their worries by being pushy, right? Like, it's sort of like, oh no, that's not a great strategy. Yeah, yeah. You know. And I think building trust, I right. think, yeah. is what you said, yeah. and I think right. that's how I think I want to wrap this one up. Of it comes down to the same thing that it does with the kids who are going to be boisterous mm-hmm. of you build a relationship, build trust with the child and kind of follow them along with what their needs are. And, well, and value them as much as you do them. Yeah, all the other kids. Yeah. yeah, Great. Well, thanks for the yeah. conversation. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to Teaching with the Body and Bond. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Music is by Big Wheel Popcorn. <laughs>